Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell, written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Annie the Archaeopteryx names her new baby. Annie the Archaeopteryx remembered the day her egg went missing. The weather had been particularly harsh. The rain rocketed down and the wind whipped up a storm. Her nest swung precariously from side to side until the worst happened and it was blown completely away. Annie managed to stop herself from being buffeted and blown against the branches of the tree. She very nearly broke a wing, but eventually made it to the ground. She searched for her nest, but all she could find were broken twigs and old feathers strewn across the ferns beneath the trees. What had happened to her egg? She feared it had been smashed in the storm and her poor baby gone forever. She searched and searched but couldn't find no trace of her egg. Annie didn't know that it had been washed down the hill and had landed safely in the moss at the edge of the school field. She did not recognise her egg when Olivia found it as it was all green and covered by the moss it had landed on. She recognised her baby though. He looked just like her eldest son who had flown away two years ago. Her daughter Amy had left the nest last year. This year Annie had lost her egg, but Olivia had found it and hatched it for her. Olivia, thank you so much for finding my egg. I think I will have to name him after you, but you have a girl's name. That's right miss, I don't mind. I usually give my children names beginning with the letter A. Can you think of any that I can use? Adam? Good suggestion, but that's the name of my oldest son. Annie thought and thought. She couldn't use Olivia, but what if she turned it round? Olivia ended in the letter A. She said it out loud to see how it sounded. Avilo. That's an interesting name, said Olivia. Avilo. Yes, it is interesting, and it's your name spelt backwards. So this little mite can be named after you, after all. Avilo. I really like that. Thank you, miss. Olivia was so excited that the new baby had been named after her, even if the name was backwards. She ran all the way home to tell her mum. Well done, Olivia, said her mum, smiling. Such a lovely idea of Annie's. Now let's see what we can find as a present for new baby Avilo. Trudy the Trudon gets top marks. Trudy the Trudon was clever, but she could not understand how multiplication tables worked. She tried to memorise the answers, but then got them muddled. That day, Annie the Archaeopteryx had set them a test on their multiplication tables. Trudy scored the bottom mark in the class. Annie decided enough was enough. She knew Trudy could do better. Trudy, I'm sorry, but your marks are not good enough. I have found you a tutor. Stan the Stegosaurus is free after school. He can help you with your homework. We all know, of course, that Stan the Stegosaurus only has the brain the size of a walnut and always gets lost. Annie thought if Trudy explained how to multiply numbers to Stan, it would help her learn her multiplication tables. Have you ever explained something complicated to someone? Telling someone else helps you think the problem through and makes it easier for you to understand. Miss, wouldn't it be better if Tracy helped me? Tracy got top marks, Trudy. She doesn't need you to explain it to her. But Miss, I'm sorry Trudy, but Stan has very kindly agreed to tutor you and your mum agreed. After school, Trudy followed the signs to Stan's house. Who are you? I'm Trudy. 
You promised to help me with my multiplication tables. What are multiplication tables? 2 times 2 is 4. 2 times 3 is 6. Can you show me how they work? Trudy had to think and think. How could she show Stan how multiplication tables worked? She collected a little pile of stones and started to count them out. Look Stan, here are two, two stones. And if you multiply them by two, you need to add two more stones. How many do we have? One, two, three, four. Very good, Stan. So two times two equals four. Trudy carried on showing Stan how to multiply the stones in twos, then in threes, and by the time she got to fives, it was time to go home for tea. By the end of the week, she had worked out all the multiplication tables. Annie the Archaeopteryx set another test, and I think you can guess what happened. Yes, Trudy the Trudon got top marks. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Tuesday and on Tuesdays we always meet Carlos and his friends. So here is another meow story written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Do enjoy and sleep well. Horace looked at Carlos the city cat and said, My name is Horace, pleased to meet you. We do not get many cats out here from London who come on their own. You must be one of the first by train. Why here? Well, Carlos said, the other week I took a bus to Buckingham Palace to see the Queen and caught a mouse that terrified her when the palace cat did not know what to do. So I thought, why not take a trip to where the houses disappear and it turns green? That was brave of you. There are just as many dangers out here, but different. I've used up some of my lives already. Are you hungry? asked Horace. It is about now that the farm workers stop for a break. With two of us, I can steal a sandwich from one of them. If you go and rub round his legs so that he strokes you, I can take it when he's not looking. Then you run off after me. He won't follow us just for a sandwich. OK, let's do it. I'm starving, said Carlos. So he walked into the yard and up to a kindly-looking worker who was sitting on a straw bale. Hello, I've not seen you before. Where have you come from? As he stroked Carlos, putting his sandwich down on the bale next to him. This was cue Horace to hop up on the bale and steal the sandwich away. Carlos saw where Horace had gone and scampered off the same way. The last the worker saw was the pair of them disappearing between the barns. The crafty devils. They worked that out between them. <laughs> he laughed out loud. Horace and Carlos tucked into the sausage sandwich. What next? Ah, a drink. Horace took them to the milking shed and explained that these cows were all wives of Genghis the bull in the field. They were all in pens, connected to four pipes, squirting white liquid into huge glass jars. Under one of the jars was a tray to catch the droplets coming out from the leaking pipes. They both tucked in. Ooh, that's better. What next? asked Carlos. Well, 
You know the large mice with long ears? They're called rabbits. And I can show you where they live, said Horace, and led the way to the woods. You see the holes in that bank? They live down there in burrows. The larger one further along is a badger set. What's a badger? asked Carlos. It's a large furry black and white animal that only comes out at night and has poor eyesight, replied Horace. How would you like some fresh fish for tea? Well, sounds good, said Carlos. Then follow me to the pond. With two of us it should be easy, said Horace. If you hold the end of your tail just above the water and move it about slowly, the fish will think it's an insect and try to catch it. And when they do, I will grab it with my paws and mouth. Once they had eaten the fish, they went back to the farm. On the way there, Horace said, Why not stay the night? It's getting late now to catch a last train, and there is a warm barn you can use. OK, my owners won't miss me for one night, said Carlos. They were walking across the yard when Attila went for them, only stopped by his chain. To his surprise, this did not bother Carlos, who turned his back to Attila and sprayed him, which stopped him in his tracks. He didn't expect that. That's a clever trick. I've never thought of doing that before, said Horace. The barn is over there. Good night. See you in the morning. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday and we're going to hear all about Jaffa the Orange Dog. Let's see what he's up to this evening, shall we? Enjoy and sleep well. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale. Leo the Irish Wolfhound comes for holiday. When I lived with my first human mum, in our gang were all these big hounds. I always thought that they were horses in disguise, but they were not. They were called Irish Wolfhounds and were magnificent. One of them in particular was to become my friend and he was called Leo. His real name was Luke Skywalker. How cool is that? He was so masculine and even bigger and taller than Barney. Leo got to be Barney's friend too. Well, the story goes that one day Leo was to come and stay with me, Mum and Dad, for a holiday. Leo had lived more or less in a kennel all of his life. He was approximately 18 months old, so a lot older than me, born on the 4th of April 2002. For Leo to live in a house was going to be something rather strange and new for him. I was around three months old when we were asked if we would like to look after Leo. We had seen Leo at shows. He was still magnificent. This would also give Mum and Dad a better idea about having their own Irish wolfhound, as this is what they had been waiting for, and also to see how he would get on with me. I had known Leo before, so I did not have any problems with him coming to live with me. I am sure Mum and Dad wouldn't either. So the day comes when Dad brings Leo home to our house 
for a short time at first, just before Christmas 2004. It was fabulous to see him again, and he remembered me, his little orange friend. But wow, he has grown so big and tall now. I don't even come up to his knees, and he tells me how much I have grown. When we meet, he licks me all over. Lots of slobber, but it was worth it. Oh no, Leo started to wag his tail, so I decided to stand under him. I did this on numerous occasions when this event happened, so he could not whip me with his tail and send me flying. He would catch everyone and everything that was in his way and reach. Leo and I became best buddies. We did and went everywhere together. Leo would sleep on his duvet and I would sleep in my bed. Leo could not fit in my bed, but we would sleep nearby to one another. During the day, we would couple up together and fall asleep, either in the garden or on Leo's duvet. As time went on, I began to tell Leo that Mum and Dad would take me to his special place called the park. I would tell Leo that I think he would really like it there too. Sadly, to get there, we would have to cross a road. Leo wasn't as brave as me, but he did it. Leo listened with great excitement as he had not been to a park before. When we started to walk to the park, this big beast Leo became a little apprehensive, but me, little Jaffa, told him he would be just fine. Just follow me, I would say, which he did for many years. Our walks became the highlight of our day. One day though, instead of going to the park, Leo and I were put in the car and taken back to Yorkshire. Where were we going? We were going back to our first mum's house with all the rest of the gang. What fun was I going to have? But I was not too sure about Leo. My doggy mum Halle and my brother Setsuma are both still here, so things aren't so bad. Hold on a moment. Where are mum and dad going? And why are they driving away without us? I think I'm never going to see them again. They've gone off without me and Leo. Not to worry though, as mum and dad have gone on holiday to New Zealand, wherever that is, they will soon be coming back to collect me and Leo to take us home again. I feel I'm getting a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night children. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that dog is for sale. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. This evening's story is all about a little boy called Johnny and is written by John Mountford and narrated by Julie Stark and myself, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Johnny is accident-prone and always getting into trouble. Shall we see what he's up to this evening? Johnny goes to the woods. Hello, I'm Johnny. I'm bright and bonny. I come top in all my tests. I'm not boring. I love exploring. Especially castles, they're the best. But there's something I must tell you. It's embarrassing, I confess. I've always been a little clumsy. And that makes me make lots of mess. Never mind, Johnny. Can we come with you? Where will you explore today? 
to the woods. Let's go together. They're a great place for us to play. So Johnny sets off to where trees grow. Row upon row upon row upon row. Nothing can really go wrong today. We will stay with Johnny and watch him play. This is a nice walk. And when we get there, I shall climb on my favourite log. Oh, what's that tickling in me with its hair? Bow wow! It's a lovely little dog. <coughs> Says the dog, who's very friendly. Now, little dog, what is your name? says the dog, who answers speedily. Come on, Ralph, we'll play a game. I shall run into that thicket, then you, Ralph, can run after me. Hide and seek is just the ticket for a small boy and his dog, you'll see. Johnny runs just like he pledged and leaps straight into a tangled hedge, but he comes to an embarrassing end because he lands on his sister and her boyfriend. She squeals. You little squirt! What on earth are you doing here? You can't moan. You're just a flirt. I'm going to whack you round the ear. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promised there was no harm meant. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. Johnny's sister's not best pleased. She was enjoying the kiss and a snog, but it gets worse for through the leaves comes flying a happy little dog. Oh, what's that? Oh, help, please help. Johnny, help me, please, I beg. Whatever it is, claws are sharp. It's got them sticking into my leg. Well, it serves you right for being so nasty. His name is Ralph and he's my friend. I suppose he is cute, not really ghastly. It was just a shock of his scratchy front end. Come on, Ralph, let's Go and climb trees. Forget my sister, she's no fun. She's so annoying, she's like a disease. I'll get you for that. We'd better run. So off to the woods where the trees grow thick. Johnny and his faithful hound are bound. Start low when climbing, that's the trick. Then carefully ascend as you leave the ground. I've found it's best to climb in stages. First a hedge and then a sapling. To master a trunk takes ages and ages. Watch as with this oak I'm grappling. Johnny puts his foot into a foothold, then lifts himself up with a vault. The wood is springy and when it unfolds, it's like a giant catapult. Oops, says Johnny, for he's dangling. He's done a great big somersault. He now requires some disentangling. It's not my fault, it's not my fault, <coughs> says Ralph, who sets off quickly back to the hedge from where they started. He doesn't care that it's sharp and prickly, he needs to get help, he's very kind-hearted. Johnny's sister lies unsuspecting, enjoying a peaceful, tranquil rest, till from her lungs the air's ejecting, as Ralph the dog lands on her chest. Up she looks in shocked surprise, to find out what has squashed her lung. She sees above her two brown eyes, accompanied by a slobbery tongue. What are you doing? Get off, boy, gently. <laughs> Stop licking, I can hardly breathe. I know you're only being friendly, but I'll wee myself if you don't leave. <coughs> Rich hot re-roll, I didn't mean to. 
Promise Rare Rose to Ram Rent. Ram Rory Rui Gentle. Rip Rose Rust and Raxident. What are you saying? Where's my stupid brother? Is he causing trouble again? He should stay at home with mother. It's not safe for others when he's out down the lane. <laughs> Come on then, but mum will ban him when she sees what he's done this time. They go to the place where Johnny's still hanging, upside down where he tried to climb. Idiot! What are you doing there? Why do you always push your luck? I like climbing trees high up in the air. But you always end up completely stuck. Please get me down, Jenny. What's it worth? How about all my pocket money? It'll cost you much more than a penny for me to get you back down to earth. You can play with Ralph. You'll like him, you'll see. All right, but there's something else I seek. In exchange for pulling her out of that tree, you must not talk to me for a whole week. Very well, I agree, for I'm bored of this tree. It seems to have caught me in its bark, <coughs> says Ralph, who's quick to see that having a bark is quite a lark. Jenny, meanwhile, reaches over her head to grab the branch where Johnny hangs by a thread. She shakes it hard. Johnny's filled with dread. No, Jenny. I might fall and end up dead. Well, what do you want me to do then? Nothing. I don't know. I'm just hanging around. Not for much longer. Jenny carries on shaking. Johnny lands on his sister, who falls to the ground. That's the third time today I've been crushed because of you. I'm really fed up with you, Johnny, you clown. Never speak to me again. I'll paste you if you do. So your lips are glued shut and can't move up or down. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. I promise there was no harm meant. I am always very gentle. It was just an accident. At home that night, Johnny dreams of adventures exploring and the day he has spent. For Johnny is always very gentle. He has just lots of accidents. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Friday's Bedtime Story. Here is another story about the chimps Milo and his sister Macy and all the inhabitants of Magnolia Avenue. Written by Becca Cook and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Do enjoy. Milo brings Spider Monkey Flint for dinner. Milo, the monkey's mother, Flo, was talking to his friend's mother on the telephone. Milo had his fingers and toes crossed as he watched his mother write something down on a notepad. Flo finished her conversation, turned to Milo with a beaming smile. Spider Monkey Flint says yes, he's coming for dinner this evening. Milo let out a loud, Woohoo! Now this was a big deal. Ever since Milo and Flint became friends, Flint had never stayed for dinner. Flint found social events difficult because talking was hard and he did not like his routine changed. Milo remembered when they first met. One afternoon in class, Flint was becoming agitated as he struggled to say a word. Flint suddenly threw his book across the floor and ran out of the class. Milo gained the teacher's permission to go after him. Milo found Flint upset and pacing up and down. Milo then had a bright idea. 
he said calmly. Hi, Flint. My name is Milo. I'm going for a jog if you want to keep me company. Milo ran around the playground as Flint stood still looking at his feet. Upon the second lap, Flint joined him. Milo discovered Flint was a fast runner and running made Flint feel calm once more. From that moment on, Milo and Flint were inseparable. Milo didn't mind Flint was a bit awkward around him and that sometimes he said exactly what he thought. Whenever Flint would have a meltdown due to feeling anxious, Milo knew just what to do to help him regulate his behaviour. They both had a common love of sports and had joined the Aerial Orb game team. Later, Flint had explained to Milo that he had autism and struggled to express himself or understand emotions. Milo sat stroking Zorro the dog as his sister Macy and father Jared sat on the sofa in anticipation of what Flo was about to say. Now everyone, this evening Milo's best friend Flint is coming to dinner and he usually eats at 5pm so we will have dinner a little early today. I have a list of foods here that Flint does not like due to their texture. Can you all help me choose a meal to cook? family looked at the list of foods and it was decided Flo would cook roast tomato, avocado and eggs on toast, followed by banana cake. Milo and Macy agreed Flint could use their bedroom as a quiet space if things got too much for him. Suddenly there was a knock at the door and Zorro began to bark and wag his tail excitedly. Jared and Milo eagerly went to greet Flint and his father Ed. Laughter could be heard as Milo, Macy, Flint and Diva the Hippo played a ball game outside as Flo and Jared cooked dinner. As Jared served Flint's food upon the plate, he ensured the egg, avocado, tomato and toast were not touching each other. Dinner's ready everyone, called out Flo. They all sat around the table relaxed having a good time. Flint appeared to be enjoying the meal and engaged in small conversation. It was time for pudding. Banana cake was cut into slices and shared around. Flint looked puzzled and said, Macy has a bigger slice than me. They all looked at one another in silence. Then Jared let out a booming laugh, followed by the others. Indeed, Master Flint, you are right. Please have my slice, which looks as big as Macy's. It was difficult to cut exactly the same. Soon there was a knock at the door and it was Flint's father come to collect him. They all knew the evening had been a success when Flint turned round and asked, Can I come for dinner again, please? Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire.
Hello and welcome to Children's Corner. You are about to hear another children's poem from Jumping Jewels' Julie Stevens. Do enjoy. Saying goodbye. I remember these pyjamas, how they made me look like a queen. In the darkest of nights, never seen by anyone but the goodnight callers. The colours have faded, a rubbed out pink, with shrinking legs climbing up to my knees. Tasty threads dangling from arms, and a printed crown no longer jewelled. The dreams we had, the fun we made, the dragons I rode and the monsters slayed. They've slept their last sleep, a long goodbye, march to the pile of cherished clothes. Voices whisper sad melodies to me, praying they'll stay some more. The dreams we had, the crowns we tried, the pets we loved, the horses we'd ride. But this bulging bag full of treasured gold will no longer be told to stay a while. It sits now in its chariot waiting. New queens will wear this prize. The dreams we had, their stories roam free. I do wish my dreams could have stayed with me. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.